right, guys, welcome in today's episode of the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Blake Level, and yes, uh, my voice not all the way back yet uh, from being sick, uh, so this will be another condensed episode of the podcast, uh, and we will recap uh, Tuesday's games in SEC basketball and look ahead to the four games on Wednesday's slate, but uh, we do start uh, with uh, Tuesday's action, and it was South Carolina picking up an 83-71 to victory against Mississippi State. Um, you know, it was a big bubble game for both teams. Uh, right afterwards, uh, Joe Lenardi from ESPN updated his uh, bracketology, and it moved both teams uh, to the next four-out uh, line in his bracket, which, of course, uh, you know, not ideal for Mississippi State. They fall back uh, from the first four-out to the next four-out. South Carolina, meanwhile, uh, doesn't really move up enough to, to put them into that first four out group. So both teams uh, clearly still have a lot of work to do in terms of trying to make it into the NCAA tournament, and that will likely require multiple wins in the SEC tournament in order to have a chance to, to play their way into the mix. Uh, in this game, you know, it was uh, sort of just looking at how it played out. I mean, South Carolina got up big early. They were up 18 uh, about halfway through the first half. Then Mississippi State made a run. Uh, and was able to to make it close, but uh, South Carolina pulls away uh, down the stretch. They shot 48% in this game, only turned it over seven times, um, and were just able, you know, to, to make enough plays. And that's what it comes down to sometimes. It's not that complicated. Uh, you just have to make more plays than the other team. And South Carolina did that uh, and were able to hold Mississippi State to 39% shooting. Uh, Mike Kosar had 20 points. Uh, AJ Lawson had 12. Uh, Keyshawn Bryant had 12. And I. I tell you, Keyshawn Bryant someone I just continue to be impressed with uh, how he has developed his game. He also had seven rebounds in this one. Um, he only played 22 minutes, but uh, really his contributions, I think, are, are pretty important for the South Carolina team uh, moving forward. And then Jermaine Cousinard, uh, he filled up the stat sheet at eight points, 10 assists, five rebounds, um, and didn't have a single turnover in 29 minutes of play. So uh, a really nice win for South Carolina after that loss to Alabama. And uh, as we said, though, even with the victory, uh, they have got a lot of work to do if they want to try to make the NCAA tournament, and uh, they will finish up the regular season at Vanderbilt on Saturday. And it was Vanderbilt getting an 87-79 to win at Alabama, the first SEC road win for the Commodores since the 2017-18 season. Uh, that was in the regular season finale of that season at Ole Miss. Uh, since then, of course, you know, didn't win an SEC game last year. Um, they came in this season with only one SEC win. Uh, that was at home to LSU. So there you have it, their first win on the road uh, since the 2017-18 season. And uh, what a win it was because uh, this was essentially the Saban Lee show uh, for Vanderbilt, uh, he scores 38 points in this game, and the Commodores shot 56% from the floor overall. But uh, back to Saban Lee, I said it on Twitter after the game, I just think this guy, when you consider, you know, he came into the program, there were high expectations for him, uh, and then, you know, as he's battled his way throughout, you know, what is undoubtedly perhaps the toughest stretch in the history of, of the, the basketball program at Vanderbilt, um, he just has continued to get better and better. And he's always been one of those guys that's just went out there despite, you know, even if the team has been down, remember back last season, there have been times this season, 
you know, where they've been down 20-plus points in games and just getting blown out. Uh, he's someone that's just always been out there. You know, he's the, he's the ultimate competitor is what I've said. Uh, you know, he's always out there finding ways to get better, and, and we've seen him come along so much not just since his freshman season, but really uh, this season specifically in terms of how he's developed his game. Uh, and he was just fantastic here. Probably the best game you know he's played uh, since he's been at Vanderbilt, and we've said that a couple times this season. Uh, so that shows you just, just what a player he has become. Uh, and he just, you know, Alabama couldn't do anything about it. Uh, Vanderbilt hit 15 threes in this game. They went 15 to 28 from three-point range for 54%. Um, and, and they just they made shots, and that's what you got to do uh, to win games on the road. And Vanderbilt made shots. And, and on the flip side, Alabama just didn't play well enough on defense. Uh, I saw Nate Oates, some of the comments after the game, uh, he was mentioning you know, he wasn't too thrilled with the effort. Uh, he wasn't particularly, uh, certainly not thrilled about how they played defense. And that was, you know, sort of what led to, to this game playing out the way that it did. And it obviously, you know, Alabama completely off the NCAA tournament bubble now. They'll have to win the SEC tournament uh, to make it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, this is just not a game that they could afford to lose. And now that they put themselves in the spot, um, you know, it really doesn't matter what, what how everyone else plays out at this point. Alabama's going to have to win the SEC tournament uh, to make it to the NCAA tournament. But for Vanderbilt, uh, you just cannot ignore the type of improvement this team has made this season under Jerry Stackhouse. Uh, when Aaron Neesmith went out with the injury, they just did not look good in those first couple games because they were clearly trying to adjust. Uh, and there were a lot of struggles. But to see how far this team has come, they beat the, the top team in the SEC uh, in LSU at the time. And now, you know, to, to snap their long road losing streak in the conference, uh, you can't give Jerry Stackhouse and his staff enough credit, I think, for, for how far this team has come. But also you have to give the players credit, too, because uh, they, they've clearly kept working and you've seen so many guys on this roster get better. And for them to go in and win this game at a potential bubble team uh, with only six scholarship players uh, available, uh, that sort of tells you uh, how far this Vanderbilt program uh, has come along and really the mentality that they're starting to embrace uh, with Jerry Stackhouse at the helm. And to make it 0 for 3 on my predictions uh, for uh, this particular uh, game night in SEC basketball, Tennessee wins at Kentucky 81-73. to And, you know, we, we sort of mentioned it in the preview this felt like a game where you could see Kentucky in a potential letdown spot. Now, if you just want to look at it and didn't actually watch the game, you could say, okay, well, that, that seems about right. Maybe Kentucky just had a letdown here. But, you know, Kentucky was up 11 at halftime, and, and it was a case where Kentucky was up to – they were up 17 uh, with about 17 minutes left in the game. Uh, but Tennessee just outplayed them the rest of the way. There, there's really no other way to put it. Uh, the Vols just outplayed them. They were the better team. And uh, you have to give you know Rick Barnes' team credit here because uh, they just went out and despite being down 17, and they could have easily you know sat back and we would just had our usual Kentucky getting a double-digit win at Rupp Arena. Uh, the Vols just just came back w- with a force, and, and John Fulkerson leads the way once again. 27 points. He was 10 of 15 from the field, seven of seven from the free throw line. He had six rebounds. Um, you know, we, we've said many times about John Fulkerson stepping up in big spots for the Vols this season, and, and he just continues to do it. And, you know, going into the year, I don't know that a lot of people knew what to expect from him. He was someone we didn't exactly know 
what his role would be. We knew it had to be very a big role because of what they lost from last season, but I'm not sure a lot of people knew exactly how he would step into that role or whether he would thrive in it, uh, but but he's someone else. You want to talk about improved players. Uh, he's among the most improved in the conference uh, this season, and, and you just go up and down the line. I mean, this is just a, a gutsy win for Tennessee on the road because uh, for everyone, I mean, it's so hard to win at Rupp Arena, and for them to be able to go up and win this game like they did, um, you know, shot 53% from the floor. Uh, they were 8 of 18 from three-point range. Uh, and, you know, even out-rebounding Kentucky. And those are all the different things you got to do uh, to be able to have a chance to win games, not just down the stretch here in the regular season, but in a tournament setting. And I think for Tennessee to – to get a win like this, now you throw them into the mix in the SEC tournament, and we've said this uh, too over the past couple weeks. Tennessee is a team that you have to look at as a potential spoiler in the SEC tournament, but now getting a win at Kentucky, you've now beaten Florida and Kentucky in back-to-back games. Tennessee may not be viewed as just a spoiler anymore. They may be the team that's trying to play their way into the NCAA tournament as a bubble team uh, because now their resume looking a lot better in terms of uh, some of these recent wins. Now, they're not going to be in just after beating Kentucky, but if you consider that they have beaten Florida, Kentucky, and now get to host Auburn on Saturday, if they were to win all three of these games, go into the SEC tournament at 18-13 and 13 overall, um, and just all the wins that they have on their resume, uh, you know, they're going to be right there and have a chance to play their way into the tournament as an at-large team. Uh, so this is a huge win for the Vols and uh, certainly one of their most impressive performances of the season, just the way they battle back after being down 17 and to score 50 points in the second half against the Kentucky team that's been really good on defense. Um, that's something, and uh, I think Rick Barnes has to be pleased with how his team performed in this game. But coming up, uh, we'll look at Wednesday's games in the SEC. Uh, Florida trying to get on back on track at Georgia. Auburn will try to do the same uh, in hosting Texas A&M. LSU and Arkansas should be a thriller in Fayetteville. And uh, Missouri will hit the road uh, to take on Ole Miss. We'll look at those games coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we dive into Wednesday's games in SEC basketball. We start uh, with Florida at Georgia. The Bulldogs uh, were up 22 points uh, with 17 minutes left in the second half in their first meeting uh, this season. But uh, Mike White's team managed to rally back, get a win, and it was one that Florida had to have uh, after you know what looked like a game that Georgia was potentially going to win uh, convincingly. But uh, Florida was able to rally pick up the win Anthony Edwards had 32 points in that game and uh you know we we talk about Florida and how they played at Tennessee they had such a a poor first half uh, 11 turnovers 17 points um and now you know you have to to play a Georgia team that the the main trend with Georgia has been that they have just played a lot better here over the past couple weeks um, you know, they have two straight double-digit home wins against Auburn and Arkansas. I mean, two very good teams. Uh, it's not like they were just beating up on two teams, you know, at the very bottom of the conference. They they have beaten two really good teams at home in their past two games um, at Stegman Coliseum. So uh, that makes this a challenge for Florida. And, you know, as we go back to that game against Tennessee, I think the thing with Florida at this point is the same. I mean, we, we went into that Tennessee game thinking – that maybe we could trust the Gators again. Uh, But after they played, especially in that first half uh, and then losing that game, 
I think it does make it hard to trust them again. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, they have to try to find some more confidence going into the SEC tournament and then into the NCAA tournament because if they don't, uh, you know, they are they could potentially fall down to a 10 seed. Um, you know, do they fall further than that? I mean, it's it's possible based on how they finish the season. So, um, you know, not likely to fall out of the NCAA tournament picture just based on the games they have remaining. Uh, but it is very possible that they could drop, you know, a couple seed lines here if they don't find a way to finish strong. And I'm going to pick Georgia 77, Florida 75. And I know that's one that, that may surprise some people, but I just think Georgia is playing, you know, much better basketball. You have Anthony Edwards, um, you know, just sort of proving why he could be the number one pick in the NBA draft. And I just, you know, Florida, that game against Tennessee, it sort of brought back those things, those things we worry about with this Florida team on offense. Um, You know, and this just, it sort of brought some of those back. And I know Georgia's not as good of a defensive team as Tennessee is, but um, I just, I like the way the Bulldogs are playing. So uh, just uh, for the fun predictions that we do, uh, I will pick them uh, to win this game. Uh, Should be another fun game between the two. Uh, One that Florida really needs to win uh, without question. Texas A&M is at Auburn. Um, You know, look at how these two teams play. And, you know, they're both in the top 15 nationally in terms of getting 23.2% of their scoring from the free throw line. So they're back to back in terms of where they rank nationally because they both are at the same uh, exact number in terms of their percentage of getting that, you know, percent of their scoring from the free throw line. So, um, and that's one of the things, you know, especially with SEC teams, we brought, brought up the fouling and, and the free throws and all that. And, um, you know, that's something we continue to talk about uh, um, with, with all the different aspects that go along with it. But uh, the thing is, you know, Texas A&M is a team that, that wants to force teams, uh, you know, to, to making shots from outside. And, and when you look at it, um, that's something that they will undoubtedly try to do in this game against Auburn because of Auburn's uh, inconsistent nature in terms of shooting the ball from the perimeter. Um, so you would expect them to try to force Auburn into taking a lot more shots from the outside because there have been some teams that have been able to exploit that for Texas A&M, uh, but uh, you know others that, that don't shoot it as well aren't able to. And so that's where something, you know, you look at a stat in this game that could stand out, that could be something to watch in terms of knowing that Texas A&M wants Auburn to shoot the ball from outside. You know, no one wanted Auburn to shoot the ball from outside a season ago, but but this season it's been a different story. And I have, you know, it clearly Buzz Williams, they're going to focus in on not allowing Auburn to, to try to attack the rim, get to the free throw line, you know, not allow Austin Wiley to, to be able to score inside. Uh, and that's going to be a fascinating matchup with Austin Wiley going up against Josh Nebo uh, inside. Uh, so this is a game that it probably is going to come down to, let's say Auburn is forced into taking a lot of shots from the perimeter, uh, even if they aren't. Uh, offensive rebounding is something here that I think Texas A&M, that they have had a tendency to allow teams, you know, to get some second chance opportunities and that's something that Auburn is really good at. Uh, so for the Tigers, I think they're going to have to take advantage of that here, uh, especially knowing that you're not going to maybe get uh, great looks against a very stingy Texas A&M defense. And so uh, that's something where I think, uh, you know, for the Tigers, they're going to have to take advantage of those second-chance opportunities 
be able to attack the offensive glass and get some extra points that way because uh, scoring against this Texas A&M team just not not easy to do. Um, and uh, I know it's uh, going to be you know a really big game for Auburn in terms of its senior night. Uh, you want to to have a great performance uh, for the for all those guys that have that have meant so much to this program. Um, but it will not be an easy game, and I just think it's it's the way Texas A&M plays. Uh, but we also have to remember too that the Aggies are coming off a game where they only scored 50 points uh, against an LSU team that you know just hasn't been very good on defense. So you know, was that more about LSU's defense, or was it more about you know A&M potentially hitting some struggles here on offense? But uh, I'm going to pick Auburn 71, Texas A&M 56 here. I know that's a, a big of a you know probably bigger uh, spread between the, the scoring prediction than, than some might expect, but uh, I do think Auburn's going to come out and play well. Uh, you know, to be able to to have a nice send off at Auburn Arena uh, for those seniors that, that have uh, you know played played a big role uh, in this program's uh, ascent in recent years. And speaking of LSU, uh, the Tigers are at Arkansas, um, where you know this is a, a, an intriguing game for both teams. Uh, LSU won the previous meeting by two, but that was all the way back. I want to say it was the second game of SEC play for both teams. So that was all the way back, you know, the 1st of January, uh, pretty much. And uh, the biggest stat that stands out from that game, uh, which probably, you know, Arkansas fans remember, I'm sure, uh, LSU won the rebounding battle in that game by 29 and got 23 offensive rebounds. And that's where I think we looked at that game and said, okay, this is where Arkansas size difference um, could really come into play. Uh, you know, again, conference games, because that was one of the first ones. And we're like, oh, my goodness, uh, if they're getting, you know, out rebounded by 29 against an LSU team, that's not even one of the bigger teams in the conference. How is it going to look against, you know, teams like Mississippi State, South Carolina, Kentucky, um, all of those different teams. So, uh, you know, luckily it hasn't necessarily hurt Arkansas as much as it did in that particular game. I mean, it's still been a problem area for them just, just due to the, the lack of size. But, um, you know, they can't allow that to happen here, and that goes without saying. Um, it has to be one where Arkansas is going to have to just make it a focus to, to not allow that many offensive rebounds against a really good offensive rebounding team and just to, to overall, you know, prevent LSU from just, just getting so many points um, on second-chance opportunities. They just can't allow that in a game like this. And, and look, I mean, LSU's coming off it's perhaps its best defensive performance of the season. We just mentioned it with Texas A&M um, only scoring 50 points in that game. that was tied for, for the lowest of the season that LSU's given up. Um, so it's, a, it's one of those two where can LSU carry that momentum over, uh, probably playing a, a much better offensive team, at least overall this season, you know, the Razorbacks have been a much better offensive team than, than the Aggies have. But, you know, it's can they carry over that confidence that they got from that? Because they really needed a game like that on defense. And so uh, that's going to be important here uh, in this one. And when you look at it, you know, I mean, Arkansas is much better defending the three than they are inside the arc. And that's where those those second chance opportunities potentially come in play on offensive rebounds and LSU has been very efficient from two point range this season. Um, so th- those are a lot of things that sort of stand out here uh, in terms of statistically. I think you can look at it and say LSU ha- has a nice advantage in some of these key areas, uh, but this is a must win game for Arkansas in terms of trying to fight their way back into the NCAA tournament picture. 
I think with the loss at Georgia, it's going to take a little bit more work at this point. Um, but uh, this is a big one, and I think the Razorbacks probably know it. I think Bud Walton will be rocking, and uh, I'm going to pick Arkansas 81, LSU 80 here. Uh, there's just something about the Razorbacks, I think, being able to bounce back after that Georgia loss. And this is a game they know they have to win. And really, you know, if they lose this game, it's you're going to have to win the SEC tournament. And they may, you know, still potentially have to do that no matter what. Uh, but this would go a long way towards at least giving them uh, another nice boost on their resume after that loss to Georgia. So a very important game uh, for the Razorbacks, and they need to win it to, to potentially find their way back into the mix uh, in terms of the NCAA tournament bubble. And then it's Missouri uh, heading to Ole Miss, and uh, these two teams played just a couple weeks ago, and um, you know it was one uh, really that sort of played out like we expected it to. Uh, both teams got to the free throw line a lot. It was a, a sort of physical type of game, and um, you know Missouri was able to pull out the three point win in Columbia. Um, Xavier Pinson, this was sort of his uh, you know sort of breakthrough performance. He had thirty two points. Uh, in that game and um, I mean he just essentially took over the game Um, and it was one that you know at that at that point Missouri had to win and we had talked about both of those teams potentially being spoilers in the SEC tournament I think that's still possible but we have seen you know both of them some of their their weaknesses have sort of shown up uh, I think in, in some of their recent games but um, still two teams that, that at their best, you know, they, they could win multiple games in the SEC tournament and, uh, you know, knock off some of these teams that are in front of them, potentially playing for, for bubble bids uh, or, or higher seating uh, in the tournament. So uh, two teams still that, that, that could, could make noise. It's just a matter of, you know, can they find that consistency, which has been the, the, the word we've used so much with SEC teams, uh, you know, a lot of them, aside from, from maybe Kentucky in a certain sense, uh, this season, uh, because even the other teams at the top, LSU's consistency with defense, uh, Auburn's consistency away from home, it's been a theme for a lot of teams. And, um, you know, it's it's been a, a common trend for a lot of teams in different areas. And so uh, that's what both these teams are going to have to do uh, to be able to, to potentially win those games in the SEC tournament and make a run. Um, if you look at the numbers, you know, still two teams that do a good job defending the three-pointer. Uh, I think for Ole Miss, uh, with the way they play zones and such, they would love nothing more than for Missouri to take a lot of three-pointers in this game. And we go back to that game, uh, you know, against Mississippi State and, and talked about how many three-pointers they took in that one. 29 of them only made six. Um, and and maybe taking a few too many in that scenario. And, and you know, that's what Ole Miss wants Missouri to do on offense here. They want them to shoot from three because uh, they're a streaky team when it comes to to their three-point shooting and away from home, uh, not as good in terms of of finding that that efficiency from the perimeter. So uh, the Rebels will try to do that uh, without question here uh, in terms of forcing Missouri to get their points from the three-point line. It feels like another toss-up type of game between these two. Um, you know, it was a it was a battle in the first first meeting between them, and uh, you probably should expect more of the same here. Although Missouri, as we've said, you know, getting Jeremiah Tillman back, getting Mark Smith back, uh, that's important for them, and so it, it could look a little different in terms of whatever what they're able to do here. Um, you know, flip a coin. I mean, it's I'm not sure exactly 
how we see this game play out. Uh, but I will pick Ole Miss 65, Missouri 62. Uh, just just not knowing exactly what we're going to get from both teams, as we've said. Uh, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago when they, they played their first game, you know, the season against each other, uh, these two teams felt like they were in a little bit of different spots. Since then, uh, I think you've seen them be a little bit more up and down. Uh, but uh, I'll pick Ole Miss just because they're the home team and, you know, in, in toss-up type of games. That's generally what I do is just uh, pick the home team. So it should be a pretty good game, though, I think, between these two and and the winner, you know, maybe potentially able to build a little momentum going into the regular season finale on Saturday and then into the SEC tournament uh, next week. But there's a look at Wednesday's games in SEC basketball. But uh, before we wrap up this episode of the podcast, uh, I know most of you, you know, know that I live in Nashville, and I'm sure uh, you've seen sort of uh, the trail of devastation that was left uh, after the tornadoes that came through late Monday night or into early Tuesday morning uh, in and around the city. Just a ton of damage, uh, loss of lives. Um, it was just, uh, it's a surreal scene, and uh, I know a lot of people have seen the the news reports, uh, you know, the, the photos from, from all the damage and everything. And, and lots of people, you know, are trying to find different ways to help. And what I'll do is, um, you know, I'll leave a link in the show notes uh, for those of you who may be, you know, even if you're in Nashville listening to this, if you're, you're outside of Nashville, if you live somewhere else um, and you want to, to maybe find different ways to help, uh, there, there are plenty of ways to do that uh, in terms of helping people, uh, you know, just get through what is a, a very, very, you know, tough time for, for so many people that, that have lost their homes and lost, you know, pretty much everything that they had uh, in this storm. Um, you can you can define different ways to help uh, if that's something you'd like to do. And again, I will, I will leave uh, the link to uh, WKRN uh, in Nashville put together a really nice resource uh, listing all the different ways uh, you can help uh, out uh, the people who are affected by uh, this tornado. And um, so you can do that. Just find that in the show notes, uh, whatever podcast app you're listening on. Uh, you'll find the link to that in there, and you can check that out uh, if you want to find different ways to help. But uh, that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the podcast. As always, be sure to subscribe. Uh, head over to any podcast app you use. Just search for Lockdown SEC. And if you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave a nice uh, five-star rating or review. Uh, that just helps the show reach more people. And uh, for everything else, you can find me on Twitter at the Blake Level. And as I've said, I appreciate you guys uh, bearing with me this week uh, in terms of uh, you know my voice and everything and some of these more condensed episodes. Uh, but uh, I do really appreciate it, and I thank you as always for listening. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next time here on Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 